Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. So again, we're talking about Joshua chapter one, verse eight, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night so that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall have success. Our success is connected to what we do with the word. The first instruction of that, and we've talked about it, is to put the word in our mouth. The second one is meditating on the word. When I was going through, uh, there was a, a test years and years ago that I was facing, and it lasted for, oh my goodness, about a year and a half strong. But remnants of it lingered for like three years. But I was going through some physical situations. And the wonderful thing about it all is when we're instructed to meditate on the word, I would get up every morning and the Holy Ghost, who is our helper, right? He's in you as your helper. He would direct me on what I meditated on. He would bring up a verse. This is where meditation becomes real effective is when you yield to the Holy Ghost leading of what you're meditating on, that you're not just mentally grabbing something out of the word, but you're listening to the greater one on the inside of you because he knows the prescription of what your life needs best. Amen. So I would get up every morning and he would say something to me, quote a verse, remind me of a statement maybe that I heard in a service. And I would hold to that thing all day long. I mean, I would repeat it and I would think about it. And I tell you what, it was a, it was a fight, if I could say that, to keep my mind, to keep my attention, to keep my thought life on the right thing in the midst of a test. But you got to do it. How did he help me? He gave me the right thing to think about. He directed me toward the right thing to think about. So I would write that down. Why? This is my lifeline today. You ever seen somebody, maybe they're drowning. They don't know how to swim and somebody throws them out a life ring. They hold to that thing because they know if I let go of this, I go under. That's the way you treat the word. Without this, we go under. And so the Holy Ghost, when I would get up in the morning, I would look to him for his help. You see, I initiated it by looking to him, by recognizing, giving place to him. And I would say, Holy Ghost, what do you say for today? And see, that's when you have real success is when you bring his leading in on what you're meditating on. As a pastor, I have to follow his leading as Morgan pastors. We have to follow his leading because we don't know all that you need, but he does. So we follow his leading on what to feed you. uh, The word will be a blessing to anybody, but you take it and you start hitting people's problems right with the help of the word aimed right at their problem. The Holy Ghost is the only one who knows that. And you may think you know what your your need is, but the Holy Ghost will really show you what your need is. If you'll be honest with yourself. Amen. 
He'll give you what, to, he'll direct you in what to even meditate on. So I would get up every day and I would write down what he gave me that day. And I mean, I held to that thing. I carried that piece of paper with me. And when my mind would seemingly get so bombarded, I would just hold that thing and I would say it and I would say it and I would say it and say, this is what God said to me today. This is what God said to me today. I was like that drowning person hanging on to that life ring. Amen. That's how I held to it. That's how tight. I did that for months and months and months. And I noticed this, the thing he gave me to meditate on on Monday, I'd try to meditate on it on Tuesday and it seemed a bit dead to me. What was it? Because I needed a fresh word. My, since we are renewed day by day, he didn't try to give me something yesterday to live on. Every day, day by day, he would give me something fresh to meditate on. And I wrote all of those down and all of the different things he said in connection with those things. And then it was several years later, I went into a hotel room. I was unpacking and the word of the Lord came to me and said, I want you to write a book calling it daily heating bread from God's table. And you take it from that notebook of what I already gave you. That book was my lifeline. Those are the things he said to me that got me through that season of testing. How did I get through it? It wasn't just saying, it was what I did with my thought life that got me through. My meditations is what got me into the flow of success that Jesus had already provided. You can't let your, your mind just go on anything and think you're going to arrive at success. Amen. This requires an active doing on our part. Amen. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So don't leave out the Holy Ghost when you're meditating. Look to his leading. You know what James says? He says a a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Don't let him think he will receive anything of the Lord. What does that mean? Too many times, what's double-minded? It's when we can say the right thing, when we're talking to someone else, we've learned the, the, the right scriptures. We've learned the faith confessions. But when we go back home and lay on our bed at night, we think something different to ourselves, double-minded. You're saying one thing to people and another thing to yourself. Your thought life is what you're saying to yourself. And you have to say the same thing to yourself that you're saying to other people about the word. Amen. Because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Don't let him think he'll receive anything of the Lord. God cannot cause, help us to receive what belongs to us when we're saying one thing with our mouth but thinking another thing in our thought life. Meditation is going to deal with your thought life and what we allow our attention on. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 20. God has already given an assignment to our attention. Did you know that? He says, my son, attend to my words, incline thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from before thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart for they are life unto those that find them and health or medicine to all their flesh. Notice this. The first thing he starts out with is your attention. My son, attend. That's he's talking about your attention. Put your attention on my words. We cannot arrive at success if we allow our attention to be on something else. Faith people are people who have a disciplined attention. You can't have strong faith in a loose line of attention. 
You find anyone who is bold and strong and robust in faith, they have a disciplined thought life. They have an adi- a, a disciplined attention. They do not allow their mind to just run off in any old direction that it wants to go. They are stayed. And too many times people are wanting God to set them free from the devil and God's waiting for them to put their attention on the right thing. Amen. We cannot have the success that God has already made ours, letting our attention follow every problem, follow everything that our mind comes up with. It's a disciplined thought life. Amen. It belongs to us. And it is our privilege to discipline our thought lives because now we know what to do with our thought lives. Put it on the word and letting the Holy Ghost will direct you on what, what area of the word to be meditating on. Why? The word of God is vast and he will streamline for you. This is your help. Stay right on this passage. Stay right in this flow. Stay right here. So when something, and you go, I don't know what you mean by following the Holy Ghost. Something just kind of stands up to you. Something kind of grabs your attention. That's, that's the Holy Ghost prompting. Amen. Amen. Meditating on the word <clears throat> takes the limits off small thinking. You can speak the word, but if you don't have right thoughts... Meditation is dealing with your thought life, dealing with your attention. Uh, right thoughts will take the limits off small thinking. Sometimes people have grown up with very little. They grew up with very little uh, supply. They struggled and they saw that. And they keep thinking in terms of that. Uh, meditating on the word is how you break the, the cycle in the thought life of thinking, well, that's how my life has to be. Yeah. Amen. Amen. When, when the kids will come into the green room, especially when they were much younger than my grandkids, and uh, in our hospitality room, we have a candy jar. And so I'd say, baby, get you some candy, put it in your pocket, take it home with you. And their little old hand, you know, just a little old thing, you know, you could bite it. <laughs> and, and they could just really hold one, maybe two pieces of candy. Why? Because the size. So I go, wait a minute, baby, here, let me help you. Why? Enlarged. Enlarged hand, right? It's larger. I can grab more. Meditation enlarges your heart. It enlarges your spirit. Why do people say I can never own my own home? I could never have something like that. They have a dwarfed spirit. It's not enlarge. The word will enlarge your capacity to believe and lay hold of more. The hand of faith can be enlarged as you meditate instead of having a dwarfed, shriveled up, crippled hand of faith. The meditation is what enlarges you to receive more to, so that you think bigger. Amen. So that you think that it always has to be the way it's always been. It's wrong. God offers us limitless thinking. Amen. Meditating in the word is how we enlarge our spirits and our hand of faith to receive the greatness of his plan. Not just a measure of it, but the greatness of it. Amen. How about us meditating on seeing lame people walking? How about us meditating on seeing arms and legs growing out? 
we have to meditate on these things. Why? So that when we come to service, we don't go, oh my gosh, what are they going to do? Oh my gosh. How, I don't know how they live with that. Oh my gosh. See, when you meditate, the impossibilities become possible. How could I ever own my own business? You better get yourself enlarged because you can't until you get yourself enlarged. Meditating on the word is what enlarges. Amen. If you think you can't have it, you're right. But if you'll change that thinking through meditating on the word and say, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? Amen. So it says in Genesis chapter 24, let me just read it to you for time's sake. Genesis chapter 24 and verse 63, the Amplified says this, and Isaac, now know know what Isaac did. He sowed in a time of famine and received a hundredfold in that year, right? Let me tell you why he succeeded. It shows us the success of this. Genesis 24 verse 63, and Isaac went out to meditate. Isaac went out to meditate and bowed down in prayer in the open country in the evening. He's showing us this was his pattern. In the evening, he would go aside and meditate. What was he doing? He was enlarging himself. He was stretching himself to see what God sees. Remember what Jesus said about his earthly ministry? I only only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. He had to enlarge himself enough with his, with his hand of faith, so to speak, with his spirit. He had to be enlarged enough to see what God did and say, okay, let's do it. And he would go out every day and say, we're doing what I just saw. We're doing what I just saw. Amen. Why do people not see much? They don't take time much with the one who enlarges. Can I, I want to read you something. This, this passage just thrills me. I don't want you to just hear it as in natural terms. But go with me to 1 Kings chapter 4 in verse 29. And I'm going to read out of the Amplified. 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 29. When the word records about Solomon, it records several different things regarding him. About what he prayed, the wording may be different. From Chronicles to Kings, it words it a little differently. How when Solomon, as he came, became king, God said, ask of me what you will. And he said, one, that you would give me a heart of understanding. One says that you would, you know, give me wisdom. So they would word it a little bit differently, but the meaning was all the same. So in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29, the Amplified, it says, And God gave Solomon exceptionally much wisdom and understanding. I love this next phrase, and breadth of mind. Like the sand of the seashore. Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the people of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all other men. Why? He had the spirit of wisdom. He had understanding, but notice breadth of mind. What's this mean? His mind didn't shut it down. His mind had no limits. 
that was the reason God was able to take him further is because God enabled him to have the why not thought. Amen. Breadth of mind, not limit, not limitedness of mind, breadth of mind. Notice this came from God too. In meditation, God can work to enlarge. Amen. Small thinking limits God and it limits the success God can do for us. Now, when I started looking, I I thought, I'm going to look and see with Solomon, with the breadth of mind, we know what was accomplished. I mean, uh, there's so many things written about him, but I wanted to look at what did he acquire? What did his success just that could be measurable? What did it look like? In today's terms, uh, it was calculated that Solomon's worth was 2.2 trillion. Human, one man. His worth was 2.2 trillion. How'd he get there? Wisdom, understanding. Where'd he get that? The word. Where'd he get that? Meditating, meditating. God gave him breadth of mind. Amen. See, God can put the word in you, but if it doesn't change the way you think, boom, lid back on. Do your employer a favor and take the ceiling off your life. Because employers can only do limitedly with people who live with lids and ceilings on them. They think small, they reach small, they only believe small. The reason God could bring this level of wealth to Solomon because he didn't think small. That's the reason. That's the reason. He did not think small, he had breadth of mind. And that came from God. Amen. I don't know about you. Get rid of small thinking. That's what I'm doing. Anything that's limited, anything that I can't do that. Now, you have to understand there, there's a process, but it's a day by day walking this out. No, you're, no I'm not telling you, oh, get rich overnight, quick scheme. That stuff isn't how God works. God works through breadth of mind. He doesn't work through scheming. Now, go with me, if you would, to Second Chronicles chapter 9. Second Chronicles chapter 9, and I'm going to read to you a little bit of what it talks about, about Solomon's wealth. Why am I doing this? I'm just showing you, if God can do this in the natural, how much more in the supernatural that belongs to us? But we don't, we don't imagine people walking out of wheelchairs as we should. We don't imagine body limbs growing back on. We don't imagine. Why? Because we're not met. If we don't meditate, God can't bring it. God can only, God can only bring what we're large enough to receive. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter nine, verse 13. Now this is the good news translation and all it does is list Solomon's wealth. So stay with me during this. First of all, before I say that, according to the Bible, King Solomon ruled from 970 BC to 931 BC. So that's 39 years that he reigned. During this time, he received 25 tons of gold each year for 39 years. 25 tons. 
Well, anybody know how much a ton is? It's 2,000 pounds. 50,000 pounds of gold each year. You go, woo! Right? Everybody go, woo! You know why we go, woo? Smallness of mind. That's why I'm bringing bigger. Bring, let, we're talking about bigger. Why? To get this, oh, this choke point off us. Okay, so verse 13, it reads, every year King Solomon received over 25 tons of gold. What's 50 times, what's 50,000 times 39? Somebody, somebody calculate that for me real quick. 50,000 times 30, say again. 1,950,000 pounds of gold. Pounds of gold. You thought it was all on you. No, it was in gold. All that poundage that you've lost and gained and lost and gained. 1,950,000 pounds of gold. Mom, praise the Lord. In addition, in addition, now that's just his base. That's where we're starting. In addition to the taxes paid by the traders and merchants, the kings of Arabia and the governors of the Israelite districts also brought him silver and gold. Solomon made 200 large shields, each of which was covered with about 15 pounds of beaten gold. So just to protect the men, just use the gold. <laughs> 15 pounds in each shield of gold. It's like how many wanted to carry their shield home at night? I need to take my shield home at night. Start whittling a little bit of that off. No. Verse 16 and 300 smaller shields, each covered with about eight pounds of beaten gold. The king also had a large throne made. Part of it was covered with ivory. Where do you get ivory? Elephant tusks. Elephant tusks. We're not talking something that's laying down by the, the, the Target down here or, or Walmart or down at the... This is from other country type stuff, right? Part of this throne was covered with ivory and the rest was covered with pure gold. Six steps led up to the throne and there was a footstool attached to it covered with gold. There were arms on each side of the throne and the figure of a lion stood at each side. So he had a big lion on each side of the arm of his throne. Twelve figures of lions were on the steps, one at either end of each step. No throne like this had ever existed in any kingdom. All of King Solomon's drinking cups were made of gold and all the utensils were made of gold. Listen to this next phrase. Silver was not considered valuable in Solomon's day. Why is something not valuable? There's abundance of it. There was so much of it that it brought the value down to like dirt. Verse 21, he had a fleet of ocean going ships. Every three years, his fleet would return bringing gold, of course, <laughs> silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. King Solomon was richer and wiser than all other kings in the world. They all, they all consulted with him. You're the king to kings. 
they all consulted him to hear the wisdom that God had given them him. Notice this, the wealth came because of the wisdom. It's not he used wisdom and went and got, it's not that wealth made him look smart in the eyes of people. It was his wisdom that brought the wealth. Verse 24, each of them, talking about these kings, brought Solomon gifts, articles of silver, more of what he already had a lot of, and gold, robes, weapons, spices, horses, and mules. This continued year after year. What's this mean? He had no skinny cows in his life. No skinny cow years. No skinny cows eating up fat cows like in the time of Joseph. Uh, amen. Saul, every year was fat. Every year was abundant. Verse 25, King Solomon also had 4,000 stalls. Four, stalls. You understand stalls. 4,000 of them for his chariots and horses and had 12,000 cavalry horses. 12,000 just in one rank of horses. You see. He was supreme ruler of all the kings in the territory. Verse 27, during his reign, silver was as common in Jerusalem as stone. You know what they build everything with? Stone. Every home, everything was built with rock and stone. And he said, that's how common silver was. He had so much wealth that he brought what was valuable down to the common level. During his reign, silver was as, was as common in Jerusalem as stone and cedar was as plentiful as ordinary sycamore in the foothills of Judah. Solomon imported horses from every other country. So we see this. This is what I want you to see. If God caused him to increase with this great unnatural thing that's fleeting, it's fleeting, it's fleeting. What are we settling for? Come on, come on. We need to read these things to enlarge us and say, we are settling for far too less. How come we're settling far too less? Thinking small, thinking small. How do we enlarge that thinking? Meditating, 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 meditating. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you know God didn't just show this in the word so we could be impressed? He's showing us, hey, look what I do. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, Romans, and I'll just quote it for time's sake, Romans 4, verse 19, it's talking about Abraham. And it says, And being not weak in faith, Abraham considered not his own body. How do we, what's he talking about here? He had disciplined attention. How are we going to receive all that God has for us? We have to discipline our attention. We have to discipline our thought life. Now, let me tell you, God's not telling you, okay, go discipline your thought life. You know what he's given? He's instructed us, go meditate on my word. Meditating on the word is what disciplines the thought life. 
meditating on the word is what enlarges you. It's not like I got to get my, I got to get my hand of faith larger. I got to get my spirit enlarged to contain and hold more. Listen, uh, we know this, the madman of Gadara, they cast out that Jesus cast devils out of him, went into 2000 swine. The word legion, remember the demons that said, our name is legion for we're many 2000 demons in the man. If a man's spirit can hold 2000 demons, how much of God, how much, how much? How much of God can a man's spirit contain? Hallelujah. Meditation is how we get there. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.